All right, welcome everyone to Wired In. I am your host, Blake Johnson, along with the uh, fellow host, Spencer Cole. Hello. It has been a, a good minute since we've done this. Like, like I'm trying to I'm trying to think. I think maybe it was like back in November or somewhere around there when we. Uh, yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm looking on the uh, Discord server history, and it says March of this year. But I don't oh, know. Because that, I think that was from the uh, the, the bot. Uh, it might well, it might have been around March when we recorded last one. Maybe that Man, was for your YouTube channel that we did that for. But potentially, maybe it, it's weird. Like time has kind of been hard to determine <laughs> this year. Like it's just it, it's it seems like it it rushes by and drags at the same time in like, mm-hmm. certain places. <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, man, how you been? How was uh how was the uh the move up north to uh North Dakota? North Dakota. It's uh it's not been bad actually. Um yeah, I moved up here to North Dakota oh, a few weeks ago and just did it because I was tired of working in manufacturing and it was kind of hard to find really anything else that paid decent enough to to get by and I was still kind of looking and hoping I could find something. And um, my father-in-law, uh, he works for uh, Trinity Bible College up here. And he was looking for an assistant, administrative assistant. And they thought they were going to have someone. And it turned out to be a bust. And then he found out that I was looking for something. So he offered it to me. And I just kind of... You know, I I struggled with it because, you know, I've always lived in Missouri, so making a, a big decision like that was quite something. And it was kind of hard to to really go through with it sometimes and just kind of seeing how it would play out. But I decided to take a risk, and my wife and I was like, okay, let's, let's do it. And we'd been up here. Uh, this place is called Ellendale, North Dakota. It's pretty small. It's, it's a very small town. Um, and it's just, it's like a few minutes North of the border to South Dakota. And we'd have been up here back in June to see family and everything. And it's a really pretty area, but we just didn't envision moving up here, but, um, we decided to, and so far it's, it's really not been too bad aside from, you know, adjusting to, you know, allergies again. And I hadn't had to struggle with it that much this year, but I've had to for the past few weeks, which is, you know, kind of normal for me. To struggle with it, so it's like whatever. But uh, one thing that'll be an adjustment is the winter, because uh, uh, just a little bit, you know, it tends to get around twenty to thirty below. That's a little um, Yeah, just just you know, you might want to put on a light jacket. Yeah, no. So uh, just a light jacket at least. But you know, um, it's it's funny that you bring up like you know the allergies and stuff because uh, and I, I think I'm, we may have kind of touched on it a while back, but um. You know, whenever I had, uh, you know, whenever I had first moved up to Branson, um, like during my freshman year, like at, at CLO, um, I had after my first semester there, I just had unbelievably bad allergies. Like during during that summer, it was just it was unbelievably bad. And then afterwards, the rest of the time of me living in Branson, like for the duration of me living in Branson, I was like perfectly fine. Yeah, it, it it was it was really strange, but um, but yeah, it, it's um, 
So maybe like in your case, it's just like kind of a similar situation from like that I endured or that, that I went through um, where it's just like, once you're adjusted, you're adjusted. But, but yeah, Hopefully. it was strange because I had never like throughout, you know, like a majority of my life, like I had never had like dealt with like allergies, like knock on wood, but uh, you know, <laughs> but um, it's, it's not fun. It yeah. is not fun. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, pretty much everything green. I'm allergic to well, pretty much. Know. That's only uh, like a majority of, you know, plants and shit. So <laughs> basically, yeah, I took an allergy test back in. I think it was September, October of last year. And, you know, they have the uh, the uh, toothpicks, basically, and they they kind of dab them with stuff that, you know, to test you and everything. And they, you know, kind of slide it across your arm a little bit and just make marks on it to just test it out and see what you're allergic to. Well, you know, so they did that and the allergist walks in after like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. And the first thing she said was, Whoa, she looked at my arm because it was just like bunch of welts and everything on my arm. It was really nasty. And, uh, she was like, so we were like, well, so what else is he allergic to? Meaning me. And she said, well, I think it'd be easier to say what he's not allergic to. <laughs> so, oh, my God. And apparently, I'm mildly allergic to cats and dogs, which I didn't know because I've grown up with cats and occasionally a dog. And I didn't really suffer oh, with it. So I guess it's just so mild that it's it's barely worth yeah. mentioning. But still like over time, it just like, yeah. Huh. But yeah, it it's bad. So you gotta be careful nowadays, because otherwise they'll uh, lock you up in the COVID unit. So <laughs> <laughs> see, that, that's the thing. Whenever these uh, lockdowns and all these mass stuff and everything were happening, I was like, I think I even shared a a meme <laughs> on uh, Facebook. <laughs> it was like, uh, you know, feel bad. It was something to the effect of feel bad for the uh, people that suffer with allergies in the spring and summer. What are they going to do whenever they're going out and sneezing everything? You're going to think they have COVID. Oh man, it's going to be, it's going to be the, the paranoia. is just going to be like outrageous, mm-hmm. man. And uh, you know, which kind of leads like uh, kind of like essentially like more so like the topic that I was uh, fixing to bring up for today. And, and like, you know, I was kind of thinking about this and I had talked to you a little bit about it. Um, and, 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 you know, personally, I, I tried to avoid being, you know, political, uh, you know, I, I try to be, you know, I, I try to not be so, like, engrossed in it. But I think just like, like, just with everything go on, it just kind of, you know, silence is racism, Spencer. Silence is racism. But no, silence, like, silence is racism. But, um, you know, <laughs> it, it with it's just kind of so prevalent in the forefront, especially with, within the past few days. It's like, it's really made me wonder, um, you know, it kind of makes me wonder if the left, um, to a degree, like it kind of intentionally shut the country down, like conflated all the COVID deaths because like, like in order to radicalize the public and like delay the election process, like, uh, due to all of the rioting and looting and and everything, that because like 
they knew because it seems like it seems more apparent now than more than ever that the Democrats knew well in advance that Trump was more than likely going to get reelected. And if, and if you really think about it, it's like you remove the, you remove the means for people to be to be able to engage in social groups. Uh, well, outside of the, like the rioting and stuff, right? Which forces people into like isolation, and then you you know you deprive them of their livelihood and like force them to be dependent on the state. Like especially with that, once you have that, I feel like you know you've really locked people in. Like you've you have essentially you know forced them. To not only well, not only to become dependent upon the state, but also have like the leftist media and tech corporations control the political narrative, you know, to mm-hmm. serve that like you know the Democrats' best interests. Because you know, over time, over the past few months, like it has only served the Democrats' best interest. Because if there is this prolonged escalation, if there's this prolonged rioting, right, it's only going to delay the, the election process even further to the point where you know they're not even there was there's talk that they're not even going to potentially have any debates right like it's just like not even you know at best it might be like a a zoom call but um although i'm very skeptical that uh you know the the dnc would be willing to you know even entertain uh you know putting biden out in the in the public you know in the public eye um but yeah, I like it, it. Seems like more apparent than ever that the and, and I'm trying not to sound too hyper, like you know, hyperbolic or like you know, tinfoil hat sounding. But it, I mean, based off of the evidence we have, it's like it. It really seems that a majority of the left has become so radicalized. Yeah. Well, you know, I think there's there's some el- I think there's some truth to that. There's some elements of that that you could point to. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember it's like about a year or so ago when uh, Bill Maher on his show was saying that he hopes the economy tanks because if the economy tanks, then Trump will lose. And I've heard things. I mean, I've heard Democrats say things like that. That back when the economy was really strong before all the COVID and lockdown stuff. You know, people like that were saying, you know, it actually maybe it wouldn't be such a bad idea if uh, the unemployment rate rose and and things like that happened, because uh, then that would hurt Trump and we would probably win. And, you know, I, and as far as the with the lockdown situation, you know, a lot of the the most severe cases of lockdowns are, are in states with Democrat governors and mayors that are making these decisions. You know, mm-hmm. particularly with states like uh, Michigan, Governor, what's her name? Uh, oh, I can't remember. Gretchen, some, I, I can't even remember her name. But <laughs> just going to such great lengths to shut down the state and prevent people from, you know, trying to own a gun. and uh, But at the same time, make sure that Planned Parenthood was fully open and accessible and that people could riot in the streets if they wanted to. You know, it, it's just... Or if you look at the situation in Portland, Portland is an oh absolute, God, absolute mess. <laughs> and I don't know if you saw it. You, yeah. you probably didn't because I don't even think you really use Twitter that much, do you? Unless you see like a tweet. I've been using story. it a little bit more recently. Um, mm-hmm. But normally I've, I have I don't particularly use it because it's frankly kind of a cesspool. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, 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 like, I call it. 
I call it the uh, the bathroom stall of the internet. You know, it's I like- try to <laughs> keep away from it. I've yeah. tried it, but I keep ending up back on it again. Um, but yeah, so the uh, Portland mayor, mayor, I think his name's Ted Wheeler. Um, yeah, he, I think right on that. he's been rejecting help from the federal I government. Saw that. And oh my God, his yeah. tweet, oh my gosh, I don't even know. That's probably one of the most ratioed tweets I've ever seen. Uh, he made like a, the mayor made a statement saying that, I mean, it was a pretty nasty written letter to Trump too that he posted basically I don't know saying, if it's, that's, it's, see, here's the thing. I don't know if it's like, part of me doesn't, it was, it was a little unsure if it's like a virtue signaling thing or if it's just downright yep. incompetence like it or, you know, probably ignorant. is i'd uh, say i'd say it is because if you look at shortly after the death of george floyd the one of the mayors there i can't remember his name but he was you know <laughs> and I, I think we even talked about this uh privately anyway he was like oh yeah i'm in support of you blm you guys are great and then he got yeah they all showed up i think it was like at his at his office or somewhere and they were like we we want you to resign and then yeah abolish the police and it's like well he can't abolish the police if he resigns before that mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i mean i definitely think you have and you have the media too that's not helping you know they they like to uh blame everything on trump and he's a racist and he hates black people and he hates women and he just wants people to die and the hundred what they they keep saying uh you know trump trump has killed 174,000 people from COVID. it's all on him never mind the fact that you know you have like uh Andrew Cuomo from New York sending people to nursing homes with COVID. And it's like well, Cuomo has completely destroyed New York. Businesses have led in, have fled in droves. I mean, the economy in New York is tanking astronomically. Well, I mean, the overall economy is tanking as well, but I mean, it, yeah, things in New York have, it, it is downright like, post-apocalyptic in some sense in some senses and um yeah and 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 it it really goes to show you too you know um you know they like i mean you know blm they even went after you know Rand paul who like you know drafted you know who made the brianna taylor act which prevents no no knock raids so from that alone it's like it's evident that you know their actions are antithetical to their own cause it's like there, it it is solely at its fundamental level. Black Lives Matter is ideologically and politically driven. You like it. It is beyond debate. It is so. It is so crystal clear. Yeah, I mean, if the leaders pretty much made it clear. You have to be the most intellectually dishonest person on the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. See, the thing is, uh, what's frustrating about it, it, it's like with the Me Too movement. You know, the Me Too movement, I think, started out with really good intentions. And I think if it had Mm -hmm. continued on with the idea of exposing people like Harvey Weinstein Mm -hmm. and, uh, oh, who's the famous actor from House of Cards? Uh, Kevin Kevin Spacey. People like that. You know, that's great. I think people need to be 
exposed and, you know, driven away from society. But mm-hmm. now, I mean, when you're turning it into uh, F Trump and F conservative women, and if you're, if you're pro-life, you have no place here. And it, it's like, if you make it all about politics and, you know, one one political party against the other, then you're going to fail because I mean that it creates more and more division instead of making it about, you know, whether you're Republican or Democrat, liberal conservative, no matter your religion or race or anything, if we can agree that, you know, people shouldn't be treated uh, wrong sexually, people shouldn't be discriminated against because of their race or their gender. I mean that to me that seems like a pretty easy thing to sign up for like yeah let's let's not do those things but it's become so much more than just that and that's what frustrates me is you know I I know we're I don't know maybe I'm not getting off on a tangent here but um you know with the George Floyd thing that just really upset me because you know I know there's I know there's reports of him overdosing on fentanyl and drugs and things like yeah. that and I'm mm-hmm. not defending I'm not defending George Floyd as as a person but mm-hmm. there's just simply no excuse for what that cop did to him. There's yeah. no reason no reason whatsoever that he should have been kneeling on his neck for what was it 9 10 minutes mm-hmm. and you know that's just that's just stupid and yeah, I'm just it's, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced of the the malice aspect of it though. I think it's just sheer negligence. That's mm-hmm. what I think it boils down to. I think Yeah. It, I don't even it, think it was, it's about racism necessarily because I don't yeah, see any yeah. evidence that he targeted him because of race because they've known yeah. each other for I think they knew each other for a while, didn't they? The cop um, and I, the I believe so. I haven't I haven't read uh I haven't um read up, you know, further um on that, you know, on, on his case. But, um, to my understanding from what I know, uh, yeah, they, they were, they were, you know, they had had some form of association with one another. Um, they, you know, they were familiar with one another. Um, I just think, I think, I think we are and again, and it all ties back to the isolational, uh, isolation. What do you get what I'm saying? You know, being, you know, isolating people. It's, it's, alienating people from society it's forcing them to it or depriving them of their livelihoods forcing them to distance from other people and using the means of social media and these you know far left you know tech companies and um media outlets that can essentially control the narrative and further radicalize the left and to the point where they no longer wait for the evidence. They no longer wait for the facts. When something like this happens, they just get, they get shown an immediate flash of something and they make an immediate judgment right then on the spot. Mm -hmm. And and once that judgment has been made in their minds, there is no other means of reaching to them. There is no other means of providing further context for something. Because they have an established, they have established identity in their perception of the world. They have associated themselves with that initial flash judgment that they've made on something that they have barely any context on. So when you have this large group of people being told essentially from, you know, the, 
you know, the Democratic Party, you know, these these uh, you know, these Democratic led cities to just go out in the public and just, you know, peacefully protest, quote unquote, it, it, it is bound for, you know, it is inevitably bound for anarchy. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so, too. And it just seems like no matter what the issue is, it just gets more and more intense. The more the more controversial things are, the more it's like you're not allowed to stay silent. And if you are, you're just as evil as those who support the worst of the worst. And I mean, it, it's just it's hard to see a way out of this. I mean, maybe things will kind of change around after a while when uh you know, new generations come up and don't want to be a part of it. But mm-hmm. it's, I mean, that that's about all I, it's about what I have to hope for at this point. Um, well, and, it, and it's really clever. And again, this is, this is going off of, you know, kind of uh, what I was saying earlier. If this was coordinated, if this was coordinated from the left, this was cleverly done because the, the extremes, the radical types, they are the ones that are going to go out and be involved the 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 centrist and the conservative base they're not going to go out you know because by principle you know by you know um you know the, the the classic you know the the classic liberal or you know conservative or or even libertarian stance they they will only take action from a defensive standpoint or, or at least in the mm-hmm. current um you know cultural climate they will only act out of defense but when law enforcement in these, you know, these primarily Democratic-ran uh, cities are just telling law enforcement to stand down and let all of this transpire, it's like, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to have instances where people are going to retaliate, whether that's justified or not. I don't know. With um, I think is his name Kyle uh, Rittenhouse or whoever um, the yeah the, 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 like the, the Wisconsin shooter was. Um, I, you know, I'm not going to give anything definitive because I don't, I don't know all of the information. But I mean, but it's you have to look at it from the sense, though. It's like, what do you, what did you expect was going to happen? You know, there there are real world consequences. There are real life consequences for the things that you do, for the actions that you take. And uh, I think what the left fails to realize is that just because you consist of a community or a social group that is partaking in this quote-unquote peaceful protest is a riot it's essentially a riot but because you think you have a you formed your identity within a social movement a a a political movement like this you are still responsible for your individual actions and 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 what do you like what were you expecting thinking that none of this was going to come back on you Mm -hmm. yeah I think eventually it's just gonna, at some point, just boil over to the point of uh, there. There has to something has to give there, and and part of the you know what you were talking about earlier about um, how conservatives and libertarians don't don't really become activists as much as the left does. Mm-hmm. You know, I I had heard a discussion very much like this recently on a podcast, and they were saying that the reason that you know conservatives libertarians moderates whatever don't really 
go out and do stuff like that is because it's against their nature because yeah, you know the the very nature at least this is where i'm coming from is i just want to be left alone i don't want to be told what mm. to do i don't like being you know mandated to do x y and z i just want to be able to live my life and mm. if you want to live it differently that's perfectly fine just don't force me to have to take part in it and we're good but the way the hard left works is they have to make you comply they have to make you not just be okay with them doing what they're doing they have to make you agree with them and they have to make you in some cases sponsor what they do mm -hmm. and it just becomes a never-ending cycle of of one side saying you need to do this the other side saying no we're not bending and then it just ending up in in violence like it is right now and it <sighs> You know, I think it is. I think it is important for you know more and more people to to show their support for the other side, meaning conservatives, libertarians, being able to not necessarily go out and hold a sign, things like that, but to be more vocal, more pushing back, like say on social media or what have mm -hmm. you, and and not just taking it, not just defending being on the defensive side. I mean, you don't want to become that which you, you know, vehemently oppose method-wise, but yeah. you also don't want to be a doormat. And mm -hmm. you know, it's I guess part of it uh, it's it's almost similar to why I haven't really done political talk radio in quite a while is because some of it is just so it, it's just overwhelming to take all the the negative news in. It's just it's just easier to just shut it off and go do something else, which I think is what a lot of other people are doing is instead of watching the news, instead of, you know, trying to have a discussion, just like I just want to just go to work and chill was, out. That was that was my mentality for a while. Um, yeah. But I think we have reached a point where this is not just going to fade away. This is not just going to be some, you know, social trend that's just going to you know, fade into the, the, the foreground. Um, it's going to, you know, it is pervasive and it is going to have long lasting consequences. And I think, you know, particularly when we're talking about, you know, I think we have reached a stage where the left is basically in a way antagonizing opposition to come out. They are wanting opposition to come out because they, their whole movement, their whole, you know, you know, their, their, you know, their foundational, um, you know, principle for their movement is that they are trying to end, you know, police brutality and systemic racism. And if, the law enforcement isn't doing anything if they're just allowing them to run rampant and, you know, riot and commit arson and assault people and, and in extreme cases, kill people, you know, you know, at will, um, they have no opposition. They have not, they have no obstacle placed in their path. So that's why this has continued to go on for as long as it has, because they are trying to get, some form of opposition to come out. It's very much the 
um, you know, kind of the the Antifa aspect um, associated with it because uh, Antifa is very much you know teamed up with um, Black Lives Matter, and uh, I I think we you know and I, I'm trying to avoid being hi, you know hyperbolic. I'm trying to avoid you know um, being too extreme here, but I don't like I legitimately think we are past the point of civil discourse. Um, uh, not not saying that I uh, I'm in promoting it or, or you know like promoting not not or that I'm saying that we shouldn't be trying to you know go about civil discourse, but I think for the left primarily it's more associated with the left that they are they have gone past the point of civil discourse, and I, I think things will only continue to escalate from this point, mm-hmm. and and especially especially around you know, um, around November, I think it's going to get demonstrably worse. Yeah. Because, yeah, um, because I think, uh, cause, uh, and I want to touch on this a little bit. I think there was a, um, if my, you know, if I'm correct on this, there was a, a Trump supporter that was shot and killed in Portland, like yesterday or like last night. Um, I had heard a little bit about that. I remember seeing, you know, certain people on, on Twitter and, uh, I guess on, like being interviewed about it, saying that they were, that they didn't, they're not mourning his death because he's a racist and deserved yeah, to die. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, with, like, and with that, Oh my word, it could not be more evident. It could not be more evident that it is not that they, their whole principle is not actually based on their, you know, their movements cause essentially it is again. It's what I said earlier. The, their actions are completely antithetical to their own their their own cause, and so again, and and it's predicated on the fact that they have no opposition now, because you know a lot of these democratic run cities, they're just like oh just just let them do their thing, just let them tear through the city, and when that happens, the inevitable result is going to be, you know people who are fed up you know the uh, and again i i'm not justifying that but i think that is the inevitable result when something like this happens yeah yeah i it's hard to disagree with that i mean you're seeing the evidence more and more pretty much every single day and yeah i i definitely think uh there's there's a few more issues that we should definitely get into that relate to some of that that really don't even have as much to do with politics but it, it is affecting culture and, and society and it's it's affecting what what used to be a universally agreed upon sense of morality whether or not you belong to the same faith some of those things are even being you know destroyed and it, <laughs> it's it's definitely something that should be addressed by not just those that are, you know, on the more vocal side, typically, but those that aren't really used to, you know, entering into a debate or don't even want to because they don't like conflict. But I think, like we were talking about, that is, it, it's mm-hmm. important to, to some level, not to do it the way everyone else is doing it, but to some level to just make your voice heard and try to be that different person that's not going to engage in, you know, 
sinking to the lowest level possible to make your point. But uh, yeah, I think I think we'll get into that in the next segment. So stick around on Wired In. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone, to Wired In. Hello, sorry for the uh, interruption, but had to uh, take a quick break. But we wanted to continue with uh, what were we talking about in the first segment? I think we, didn't we want to continue with where we left off? Um, it was in, it was with the, the riots, right? Yes, but I am also very interested in the Sean Boyega thing because that's yes. been blowing up as well. So. <laughs> I know yeah. you. Uh, I know you sent it to me uh, earlier, but I I didn't get the chance to read the whole thing. Um, yeah. So the whole thing is it's a little lengthy, but you can read it at a uh, GQ magazine. It's a UK website. You could probably just Google search it, and it, it, I mean, it's like one of the first things that pops right up. But he he gave this lengthy interview about his involvement with Black Lives Matter and uh, his growing up and the kind of struggles that he's had to deal with. Well, John Boyega, for those of you who don't know, uh, the actor that played Finn or FN2187 in the Star Wars sequel trilogy. And he he has been critical of the sequel trilogy here and there. I've noticed uh, I follow him on Twitter and he is he's been critical. Uh, Very not 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 to the point where he like blatantly just flat out says you know this this is stupid or this you know whatever but he he says enough to where it's obvious that he's very much implies he's, he's definitely not a fan of what they've done with the sequel trilogy not just with his character but with the the whole trilogy as a whole but in this interview he talks more about his involvement with it and his reflections on you know where now that the sequel trilogy is done where he kind of stands on it. So I just wanted to read a little bit from the actual story from the actual interview. He, uh, it, it says here with the Lucasfilm branded elephant in the room acknowledged, it's even harder to ignore. This is John Boyega's first substantial interview since finishing the franchise. His first since last year's the rise of Skywalker tied a highly contentious hurried ribbon on the 43 year old space saga. How does he reflect on his involvement and the way the newest trilogy was concluded? John Boyega says, quote, it's so difficult to maneuver. Um, he says, visibly calibrating the level of professional diplomacy to display. I don't know why they put that in there. Then he continues, quote, yeah. you get yourself involved in projects and you're not necessarily going to like everything. But what I would say to Disney is do not bring out a black character market them to be much more important in the franchise than they are, and then have them pushed to the side. It's not good. I'll say it straight up. He's talking about himself here, about the character of Finn, the former stormtrooper who wielded a lightsaber in the first film before being somewhat nudged to the periphery. But he's also talking about other people of color in the cast, Naomi Aki and Kelly Marie Tran and even Oscar Isaac, who he feels suffer the same treatment. He's acknowledging that some people will say he's quote, crazy, you're making it up, but the reordered character hierarchy of The Last Jedi was particularly hard to take. He says, quote, like you guys, like you guys knew what to do with Daisy Ridley, you knew what to do with Adam Driver, you knew what to do with these other people, but when it came to Kelly Marie Tran, when it came to John Boyega, you know, F all. 
So what do you want me to say? What they want you to say is, I enjoyed being a part of it. It was a great experience. Nah, nah, nah. I'll take that deal when it's a great experience. They gave all the nuance to Adam Driver, all the nuance to Daisy Ridley. Let's be honest. Uh, about nuance. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They're, says, they're, their characters had as much depth as a freaking puddle, but... <laughs> exactly. Let's be honest. Daisy know the, knows this. Adam knows this. Everybody knows. I'm not exposing anything. And then, let's see. It continues on to say, uh, breaking his long corporate omerta to touch on the unthinking systemic mistreatment of black characters and blockbusters and what he sees as the relative salvage job that returning director J.J. Abrams performed on The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, let's see. Even though he acknowledges that it was an amazing opportunity and a stepping stone that has precipitated so much good in his life and career, he is palpably exhilarated to be finally saying all this, but to dismiss to dismiss these words as merely professional bitterness or paranoia is to miss the point. His primary motivation is to show the frustrations and difficulties of trying to operate within that what can feel like a permanently rigged system. Uh, it goes on here. And I think that's about it as far as Star Wars goes. Um, but yeah, he's he he's basically saying that, you know... Uh, he he's saying that he was you know his his role in the force awakens he was led to believe that finn was going to be like a, the main character or, or like one of the main characters and then mm -hmm. over the next couple of films they just brushed his character off to the side and didn't really do much with it and um he's also saying that when the force awakens was getting ready to come out he said, uh, quote, I'm the only cast member who had their own unique experience of that franchise based on their race. Uh, he said that when he basically first showed up in the trailer, there were people, you know, sending him messages saying that he he shouldn't be a stormtrooper because he's black and all this all this stuff. And I don't know how much truth there is to that. There could be. It could be true. But, I'm sure it's like a fringe group of people. Like, yeah, and see, this is kind of where I'm mixed on it because on the one hand, I do agree, definitely agree, and we've talked about this multiple times mm -hmm. privately, that, you know, his character was absolutely diminished after The Force Awakens. and After, like, you know, the first 10 minutes of Force Awakens. Like, after, like, basically, like, once he rescues Poe, he's just like, he's like, you know, they're like, you know, shooting at all the stormtrooper, and he's like hooping and hollering, and he's like, "Yeah, man!" It's like, dude, like you're you're murdering, you know, your your fellow comrades who <laughs> are brainwashed into you know s serving the empire. Or, well, the the first order. It's mm -hmm. like you should be like torn up inside about this. See, and, and that's the thing, that when the teaser trailer first came out, and it was only like a minute long, if you remember, in the first couple of seconds, the very first person you saw was Finn. Mm -hmm. And, you know, him rising up after the what you'd learn later is the crash into the Jakku Desert. And, you know, watching that film, basically, at the very beginning, it seems like it's it's about you know, Finn and Poe have a pretty big role. 
but once Finn discovers Ray, he's yeah. pretty much off to the side, and and <laughs> his sole purpose of the rest of the film is screaming Ray! and then trying to find her and stuff, you know. Ray! Whereas, you know, when the when the film first started, I really liked it because you know it's in that village and you know Kylo Ren shows up and they annihilate the village and this the stormtrooper decides not to open fire on the villagers and he's torn and everything and it it makes it seem like it's going to delve deeply into his character and how he's able to deal with all that but instead it just kind of i mean it mentions it later in the film when he's having a hard time sticking around with ray and he feels guilty but it it doesn't really delve that much more into into Finn's psyche after yeah. that Especially yeah, really when definitely. you get the uh, the Last Jedi, it, his role is is pretty much diminished. I mean, the only thing he does is to go find uh, he he his his main role is to act like a coward and retreat, and then when he gets caught, to yeah. go find yeah, well, like that was the thing, you know, like, planet get captured and then almost get killed, and that's about it, <laughs> you yeah. know. Yeah, and so. that was the thing too. It was like, it was like, you know, she would like Rose was like accusing him of like, you know, like deserting, and it's like, well, one, any sensible person would do that. Uh, two, it's like, no, he was literally going to freaking Warren Ray. That, um, you know, but anyway, but yeah, I don't know. I I think reading his statements. It seems like it seems like a lot of it is him playing the game, the, the you know, the 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 leftist Hollywood game of, you know, like, you know, saying kind of pulling Mark Campbell. Like he knows just the amount of what to say without ending his career. Like he he still yeah. wants to have that in, but he knows just an the amount of what to say without pissing people off. I really think that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned Mark Hamill. I mean, I think, I think Mark Hamill had more, more of the, I don't care as much attitude, although he did rain, he did rein himself back in after he, you know, he, he was pretty critical, I'm, I'm sure, especially sure starting did. out. Because, I mean, he openly said he did not like the fact that they were making Luke to be this this hermit who ran away and refused to come back and yeah. help the the <laughs> uh, resistance, which, I mean, obviously I understand that because that does not seem like a Luke Skywalker thing to do. I mean, even after he, in the Rise with Skywalker, had, you know, kind of retconned that and said, yeah, I was wrong, he still didn't really do a whole lot, you know, even as a Force ghost, except to tell Ray to, you know, be strong and be brave. But throughout that whole trilogy, you know, they just kind of took characters that people loved and then didn't really, it, it didn't feel like they're characters anymore, you know? And like with Han Solo, for most of the film of The Force Awakens, I thought they did great with Han Solo's character until you find out, you know, that he with his relationship with his son and it just yeah. kind of felt like his, <laughs> his Han Solo character wasn't there anymore. You know, it was them trying to make this weak, you know, defeated scoundrel and, 
ends up getting killed by his son and well i had um uh it's funny because i think a lot of people really fell for um the nostalgia you know the the like the nostalgia redressing of you know uh with the force awakens which it basically was just a complete rewrite of of new hope but just kind of like reskinned a little bit like they they threw in some things here and there to kind of slightly alter the you know the story but for the most part it was it was pretty formulaic to a new hope um, oh yeah which is fine if you're gonna do a new hope but they did it just they did a new hope but worse they made it <laughs> it's like yeah it's like it's like a new failure essentially <laughs> like it's like a new disaster yeah a new disaster and like and the thing with um you know the thing with han was like you know it, this was the thing that really like kind of threw me off guard the most was like uh you know there is when they're all it's when um ray and finn and han and chewie are in the falcon uh for like like basically first meeting and uh and uh uh and i think finn goes han solo the uh the the war general she goes no i thought he was a smuggler and it's like why would his smuggling be more famous than him being a freaking rebellion like leader you know what i mean it's like i guess his actions as you know helping the rebellion wasn't that significant it's like yeah apparently i think not. it's dumb it's like i would think that would be way more uh noteworthy than him being a smuggler <laughs> yeah yep but uh, to kind of uh, to kind of bring it back to the john boyega thing a little bit i think the reason why i'm torn on it is because even though i agree with his assessment of the character that he portrayed in star wars i'm a little skeptical of of the whole you know i'm just getting mistreated because you know i'm black and all these uh, uh people of color are getting mistreated and i don't even know if it's that do what oh it's like mistreated you're making millions of dollars to See, and that's that's my point. Like, I, I think it has more to do with just really bad storytelling and really bad yeah. writing, you know, because they kind of like what you'd mentioned earlier. It's not like they did such a fantastic job with Ray and Kylo yeah. Ren's characters like they botched all of it. <laughs> yeah, you know, they botched the new characters, they botched disaster. the old characters, they botched everything. So it's like and it was and it's clear that they didn't have a plan. It was clear they didn't have a oh. plan for this the, the trilogy at all. It was just you know and 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 this is like very much I'm very much convinced at this rate that Kathleen Kennedy was just out to destroy Star Wars due to petty beef with, with George Lucas. And the sequel trilogy is just apparent evidence of that. I mean, it, it could not be any more the case. Because, um, I mean, you know, who, who, who gives a shit about Star Wars at this point? You know what I mean? It's like, after, the, after how colossally they've destroyed it at this rate, it's like, what, th there's no excitement for Star Wars. Yeah, and it's like you can't even just turn to the books, you know. You can't just be like, "Oh, I'll just read the books," because you know some of the books are good, the the ones that I've read so far. But some of them, you know, they they tie they are related to the movies, which 
I don't really like the the new ones. So yeah. you know, it, it's hard to get excited about really anything. And you know, the video game, you know, the Star Wars video games are not really exciting. I mean, I don't know what you feel about. I know that we're getting into Star Wars again, uh, kind of, you know, a whole new topic. But yep. the the Squadrons game that's getting ready to come out, I just am not excited about that that's at all. That's the biggest cash grab I've ever seen. It's just the piloting mechanics from Battlefront 2. Yeah. They just made a mod of it. That, that, that's all it is. Yeah. It, that's all it is. Yeah, the, it, it doesn't excite me whatsoever, you know. And I remember playing the Jedi Starfighter games way back in the day, and I thought that was pretty fun. But yeah. this just... it. It just seems like another move to just get as much money as as you can. I mean, it's basically a, a cash grab, you know, attempt to have something esports related. That's Star Wars. Yes, yes. And uh, it's just, I, I mean, it's so blatant. Um, would it now be four v four? It's like or five v five, I think. Mm-hmm. And like, come on. Now, does EA, I'm trying to remember who all is involved with Star Wars games. Is EA involved with the Star Wars games, or is it somebody? somebody Um, Well, there's EA, and then basically all the companies that they own. Like, EA, I think, owns Respawn, who did uh, uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Um, I think DICE Dice did the Battlefront games. Um, I mean, they're they're pretty much for a while they were exclusive through EA. I don't know if they're exclusive to EA anymore. Uh, they should really get away from EA if they can. Um, well, <laughs> uh, the reason I ask this is because uh, I've been I've been reading some of the reviews of the new uh, Madden game from EA. And oh, yeah, it's yeah, like it's universally really hated right now. Well, it's just all all Madden is. It's just a reskin of the previous game. It's it's not. Yep. It's, it's nothing different. They haven't changed. They haven't changed Madden really since like Madden, like Madden thirteen. It's pretty <laughs> much stayed that the same since Madden 13. It's it's pretty much a $60 patch update is what it is. A patch update every year, but you have to pay another 60 bucks for uh on top of, you know, if you want to play online, a subscription. Well, you know what's funny? You know what's funny is? So, um you know what's funny is you you can have older installments of the game but just update rosters. That's all it is. You're just updating rosters. That's true. So you, it, it'll just ask you, do you want to update the roster? And I'll be like, well, yeah. And so and it's like, boom, all of a sudden yeah. you have the newest Madden game. <laughs> it's just, you didn't have to spend all that money on it. It is such predatory business, like, like, like marketing and business uh, tactics. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, I, I just thought that was kind of interesting all around on uh, John Boyega and the uh, the Star Wars universe as a whole. I mean, we we practically look for an excuse to talk about Star Wars at some point during our show. But <laughs> I just thought because of how uh, how viral that story was going, it'd be good to touch on that. But uh, Spencer, you had uh, you had one or two things you wanted to touch on, correct? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. See, 
you remember uh you remember back i think it was around like uh december i think maybe maybe it was like november it might have been november or december but the point being actually no i think it was january it was when the golden globes uh was was going on and ricky gervais basically went out and just you know roasted all of hollywood and stuff for like you know their ties to like epstein and you know well of course like uh, it just (laughs) makes sense it just makes sense that netflix would make uh or would allow a movie called cuties on their site and basically basically um I'll, i'll i'll bring up the original description real quick uh Original. And this this is a Netflix film too, right? Um, no, it wasn't a Netflix film, but uh, they they basically put it on the, the their 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 streaming service. Oh, okay, so this was a uh, yeah. So um, here's the original. I'm looking for the original because they they've changed it since then. So this is the original description, right? Because it's uh, Amy Eleven becomes fascinated with a twerking dance crew. Hoping to join them, she starts to explore her femininity, defying her family's traditions. Yeah, and there was a big controversy over the uh, the artwork, like the, the oh, cover, yeah. it, the it, cover it, for it. it. Is, yeah, it is disgusting. It is the, the cover for it is like four... Four of these 10, 11 year old actually girls. 11 years old. That is the other thing, too. People are like, oh, well, maybe they're just pretending. Like, no, 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 no. They are actual minors. And they're, yeah. they're in these like scantily, you know, dresses. They're, they're, they're you know, they're in very and, revealing clothing. And it's like, it is disgusting. It, it actually made me want to vomit when I, when I first saw it. I, um, I just, I couldn't believe it when I saw it that it, this was actually something that Netflix was promoting. And, you know, maybe I shouldn't be shocked by that, but it just it just seems like it's it's taking it to a whole a whole new low. And you know, the I guess the the director for it I can't pronounce her name, but she uh, this was originally released at a Sundance Festival, correct? Yeah. So that was the other thing. So they defended it. They were like, uh, they were basically you know apologizing, saying like. You know, like that they marketed it wrong and stuff because the film, you know, the defense for it is that the film actually goes out of its way to try to say, like, sexualizing kids is bad. Although, like, it's just you're still sexualizing kids in the movie either way. So it's like that that, that's contradictory anyway. But um, they also try to use the defense like, oh, it's not reflective of the film that won award at Sundance. It's like, bro, you do realize that the person that co-founded the Sundance Film Festival is a convicted child rapist. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, and then one of the, so like one of their customers asked, um, one of their customers asked if they support pedophilia. Um, and they were like, we cannot really comment on that, but we believe in creative freedom here at Netflix. We respect all religions and their values, cultures, and traditions. Well, I hate to break it to you, but not all cultures, traditions, and uh, and values are great. You know, there's there are some objectively bad ones out there. Well, it's like so. I would say a majority of religions and you know cultures uh, don't condone like <laughs> sexualizing kids. 
Are you sure about that? Where's your evidence, Spencer? You no, know, I'm yeah, I'm willing to place money. I'm willing to bet <laughs> money right now. And a majority, a majority of them don't. That's yeah. Sad. I don't know well, if it, I don't know if it's a matter of tone deafness. I don't know if it's like them just being so unbelievably just like oblivious or if it's a means to market it like a means to generate a controversy for marketing's sake. And I, I legitimately don't know which one would be worse. Yeah, I don't know because, you know, the director for this film, she's saying that she's been getting a lot of death threats because of the poster that Netflix put out and then the, you know, the trailer for the film. And I mean, she said, uh, I don't know. She said it was a strange experience. I hadn't seen the poster until after I started getting all these reactions on social media. Like, well, I didn't hey, understand what was going on. Here's and maybe, maybe, maybe you don't allow stuff like that on your platform. That's just an idea. Maybe I, I mean, will very much diminish at that point. It's a suggestion. It's a thought, you know. And see, here's here's the thing. When it comes to when it comes to this kind of topic, I don't have a problem with if someone wants to put out a documentary on, like say someone wants to put out a That's documentary on, yes, that on, is on, yeah. on sex trafficking, which is a real thing. Uh, that's, I mean, it's, I mean, it's growing and it's across, across the whole world. There's a difference between putting out a documentary on things like that and creating a movie that, I just have a really hard time believing that the whole point of the movie is to talk about how awful that stuff is. Cause well, it, so, they, so essentially it tries to like draw this parallel. It's this big galaxy brain fucking, you know, my themes, you know, uh, bullshit, you know, about how um, it's like, Oh, well don't, you know, it, she's, don't you see this girl is caught in between, you know, two oppressive worlds where one is, you know, uh, strictly religious and the other is you know sexualizing her at a young age and it's like okay but you didn't have to like we know sexualizing kids is bad we didn't need this movie for you to tell mm -hmm. us that sexualizing kids is bad it's like yeah. to me it just seems like this was an excuse to sexualize kids like right I mean, yeah I just I don't I, and I was like you, and I found out about this. I, I felt sick, like actually sick, because yeah. I just don't understand how any person can think that's okay to do that. And it it reminds me of the uh, of the the story time story time hour that they've that has been happening with some of these some of these cools with like drag queens showing up and reading to kids and there was one yeah there was one i don't know if it was a picture or a video but this this one i don't think she was a drag queen but she showed up and was like doing a pole dance in front of these in front of these like kindergartner first grader yeah, kids and there was an instance on good morning america about a year or so ago where they did a story on this on this boy who he had to be a he had to have been about I don't know, seven or eight, something like that. Mm -hmm. And he was, he was getting into drag queen stuff. Like he's actually building a, a like brand 
where he's getting fame for doing that kind of stuff. And they celebrate it as if it's some great achievement. Yeah. And it's like, this, this is, this You're kid promoting sexuality and minors puberty yet. Yeah. You know, they're not even an adult. Like not even like remotely close to being an adult. The, yeah. The, this kid has no, has no way of being able to actually make these gigantic decisions yet to comprehend fully on what, you know, what that stuff is going to do to him. And well, it is it, sad because I've had, um, I've had a, a lot of, I know a, a lot of people personally who, um, you know, are pretty kind of like indifferent or very tolerant of that stuff. And I'm like, like, I just, I've, it, it is insanely difficult for me to hold that back. Cause I'm just like, dude, these are kids. These are kids. They shouldn't be experiencing this stuff. You yeah. Know, regardless of, you know, whatever orientation or whatever, it doesn't matter. They're, they're at a certain age. They, sh they shouldn't even be, you know, they shouldn't even be looking at this stuff. Mm -mm. No. And the thing is, you know, if, if you're, if you're an adult and you want to do that stuff, I mean, I, you know, fine, do what you do. You do you, but yeah. you know, it, once you've reached that point where you can decide for yourself, what, however you want to live, like fine. But if you're a kid that that's just, that does not seem, I mean, it's not right. You know, you shouldn't be subjected to that stuff. At well, that it young age. Like, it'd be it'd be equivalent to like, you know, um I guess it is kind of essentially the same um scenario, but um it would be equivalent of like if they brought in a bunch of, you know, like uh you know, strippers to like do like to come into a school, like elementary school and like do like a, a pole dancing, you know, thing, you know what I mean? It's like mm -hmm. it's like it's like, I don't know. It's, it's a like crazy, that, messed that, up world. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's ridiculous. But yeah, the, and, and this whole thing with, with Netflix, you know, it's like, it. I mean, it doesn't surprise me because, I mean, the, the amount of shit that's on Netflix that is just, you know, insanely abhorrent is just, you know, it, I mean, it's, it's so prevalent. But, um, you know, it's just, it's just all these, you know, excuses and defenses it's just like it should just it, it how like i'm not, i'm definitely not gonna be giving money that is for damn sure um giving like, money to netflix like hell no um, yeah yeah i i can't imagine myself doing that either i mean we don't we don't have netflix um we we have been using somebody else's account um, off of, you know. Yeah. And because it, it, the, the Witcher was fantastic. I did enjoy that show, but I'll, I'll pirate that show now. There's no way. <laughs> I mean, you can pirate pretty much everything <laughs> nowadays. Yeah. So but, uh, that, that's, that's a thing. But yeah. So I, I kind of wanted to get into this. I don't know how much research you've done into this yet. Um, but we want to, I know we wanted to talk a little bit about the PS5 and Xbox Series X release, uh, the releases, and some <laughs> of the some of the controversies, if you will, of not just the lack of certain consoles having, you know, certain high highly expected games, but mm -hmm. 
but also just the <laughs> fact that yeah. we're we're two months out essentially from the release and we still don't know what the price is going to be we still don't know exactly when it's going to come out i know um, i'm pretty positive xbox has released their prices for their consoles if i'm not mistaken i'll look that up but i'm like a hundred percent positive they just released uh um the price for the series x so while you're looking that up uh, so to kind of give some background to this one of the, one of the big controversies that happened surrounding xbox is they you know were releasing it this holiday season right around thanksgiving black friday ish and mm-hmm. you know one of the one of the if not the biggest franchise for xbox since the very first xbox was the halo series <laughs> and I think the last Halo game was uh, Guardians, Halo 5. That was a few years ago, several years ago. And so, you know, a couple of years ago, they teased that, you know, a new Halo was in the works and called, called it Halo Infinite. Well, they even had a Xbox showcase event where they showcased some of their, some of their upcoming games, some of them, you know, uh, Microsoft exclusives. and the the big one was Halo Infinite. Well, when they released the footage, the the gameplay footage of it, there was a lot of complaints because you know, the the graphic quality is it's okay, but it's definitely it definitely felt like a step back for the the amount of hype that they were generating for amount for that game for it being so, you know, graphically intensive that they were claiming that this was going to be their most visually breathtaking game yet. And from what I saw, I was just like, this really doesn't look any graphically more improved um, than, you know, Halo 5. Yeah. Well, actually, I've seen side-by-side photos and and videos comparing the two, and Halo 5 looks better (laughs) graphically than... And that uh, came out, what, 2013, I think? Yeah, well, someone took the the Halo 3 remaster that they did for Master Chief Collection, mm-hmm. and they put it next to the Halo Infinite trailer, and Halo 3 looked better. <laughs> well, and and what kind of cracked me up, I don't know if you if you saw this, but the was it Phil Spencer? It was someone, it was one of the one of the lackeys over at uh, Microsoft was saying, well, you know, I mean, you know, the, the problem is the reason why it looked dated was because people were watching it on a live stream. And what you got to do is you got to watch the 4K high def quality stream um, that's on YouTube and that'll look much better. And it it doesn't look any better. It, it, it really, really doesn't. doesn't. It looks it, about <laughs> the same. So, you know, Sorry, but Phil Spencer, like Phil Spencer, everyone touted that he was going to save the Xbox brand, that he was just going to come in and just usher in a new period for Xbox. But like based off of what's uh, over the past few years, that has not been the case. Like no. Xbox has only continuously declined. And I can say that as someone who is a huge fan of Xbox. I mean, I, I, I want Xbox to, to succeed. But they're just making a lot of business decisions that are just shooting themselves in the foot, um, especially with their exclusives. Um, I mean, yeah. like putting. I mean, I, although I will say it's like, I mean, I'm not going to complain. Like Halo on PC, you know, it would save me from, you know, 
Halo and Fable on PC, you know, is definitely going to save me from having to buy an Xbox. But that's the point. That's the point is what's the point buying an Xbox when all of these exclusive titles and stuff are just going to be coming to PC. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 you know, you know, disincentivizes people to actually go out, you know, and buy a console for whatever game that you're, you know, whatever exclusive you're launching. Cause at least with uh, like, don't get me wrong. Sony makes a lot of bad PR moves and business decisions, but at the same time, they understand what draws people in to buy a console. And the same with Nintendo. Nintendo, they, I mean, I would say out of with this last generation, the Switch is by far the best console. And it's because due to the console design, due to the exclusives. I mean, realistically speaking, basically everyone who initially went out to buy a Switch bought it for Breath of the Wild. They bought mm-hmm. it for Breath of the Wild. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, I mean, there's still plenty of other great games on, on the Switch as well. Um, you know, like Mario Odyssey. Odyssey, Mario Odyssey. Um, you know, I, I think they're porting The Witcher 3 to um, the Switch, which is really cool. Yeah, I think um, that's already Animal on. Crossing. Um, I mean, I mean, you can go on. I mean, they've, they've brought in some really great uh, third-party releases. Uh, they brought in Skyrim, which actually looks great on the Switch, I think. And, you know, they have they have some games on there that are just really fun to play on the Switch. I, I definitely think for for your money's worth, I think the Switch is probably the best console to get in terms of. Yeah, for sure. Not, not just the games. The games are great, but the the overall console, the, the way that you can play it as as a home console if you want to, but you can also take it with you and yeah. it looks really great. I know it doesn't have like 4k on it, but it still looks fantastic. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, and that's the point. This, this is where Microsoft has really, has really failed is they've tried to compete with PC. They've tried to, you know, uh, well, and Sony has also been, you know, kind of p- jumping into that game, which I really don't think they should. Um, but they're they're trying to compete with PC and being like you know, I, I I do like that they are trying to push for a 60 FPS um, for all their games. I mean, if they are going to try to compete with PC, at least they're covering that that minimum ground. But I I just think it's a a, a battle you're never going to win because you know you know technology for you know GPUs and CPUs for you know like, you know, for, for desktops just moves at such an astronomically fast pace that, I mean, there's no way, even if, even if, let's say, let's say hypothetically, let's say hypothetically that the Xbox One X is the most powerful machine to ever come out. It has just the, 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 you know, the, the craziest specs you can think of. It has the craziest performance, right? The next GPU that comes out from NVIDIA, it's going to blow it away. It's going to blow it away because they're not hindered down like from they're not hindered down by being locked in certain hardware. Right. Like, mm-hmm. so if I want to go out and get that new GPU for my for my system, I could go out and do it and change out the parts. And I have, a, you know, the 
the the latest and greatest you know nvidia gpu you wouldn't you know? have to buy a brand new monitor and and such every single time you wanted to upgrade yeah exactly you know? and that's i i think that's where um it, uh, this is and again this is where this is the problem you know and you're having console prices kind of steadily increase um as the hardware as they try to push you know higher specs from the hardware um well, not just that. Now they're now they're increasing the price of games. They're bringing mm-hmm. it from sixty dollars yeah. to seventy dollars, and yeah. they you know they they try to make it out to be oh well you know we're we're charging more because it's you know you're getting better content, you're getting better graphics, and it, to me it just seems like a another excuse to just grab more money out of people. Yeah, it's just to to, to raise the, the 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 status quo or the you know the the standard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, but you know, again, bringing this back to Halo Infinite though, this, so with Halo, I mean, it, it, it's no secret. They've been on, they, they very much dropped the ball last gen. They very much dropped the ball, um, having to cancel multiple projects, having to, you know, delay games and then, you know, release games like Crackdown three, which were colossal failures. Um, you know, having Halo 5 be a colossal failure. Um, it's no secret that Halo, or the, excuse me, that, um, that Microsoft very much dropped the ball. And they mm-hmm. needed Halo Infinite to be the title to bring them back. Halo Infinite needed to be that title that just wowed people away, and it didn't. And so, as a result of that, they're like, oh, well, we're gonna, we're gonna delay it. We're gonna, it's not, you know, the 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 series or the the series X will launch, but you know it won't have Halo Infinite with it. It's like, well, then what's the point of launching the the console if there's not yeah. going to be any ex, you know exclusives for it? Um, well, and you know I I watched I watched a lot of the uh, the showcase event where they had some of the other exclusives, and you know they most of them didn't really look that great. I mean. You know, they looked okay, but not anything that would make me want to be like, oh, I've got to get an Xbox Series X, you know, as opposed to Sony where, you know, they have Spider-Man game, they're releasing Miles Morales, they're releasing, Mm -hmm. um, even though it was, you know, pretty much panned as a game, uh, Last of Us Part 2. But The Last of Us, you know, like the first game obviously was very well received. You know, mm-hmm. they've, they've had a bunch of exclusives that have kept people around and have brought people over more. But if mm-hmm. if your biggest selling point for Xbox is Halo Infinite and A, when you show it off, the graphics look pretty dated and not I mean, they don't look awful. I mean, yeah, my 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 viewpoint is I'm not as concerned about you know how it looks because there's there's games that look amazing and they stink but yeah. there's games that i love some of my most favorite games are games that look pretty dated but if you're going to make it seem like oh this is going to look incredible this is going to you know this is going to break break the boundaries of what you know to be good quality games and then it comes out and it looks like they're not even done with it yet and then they delay it and say oh we're still going to release the xbox at the same time you're just not going to be able to get this until next year i mean 
Well, let me let me put it to you in this perspective. Let me put it to you in this perspective. So last E3, Microsoft had Keanu Reeves come out and basically do like basically introduce like uh, more information and stuff on Cyberpunk. People went nuts, went crazy when a basically, I mean they're, they're technically considered an indie studio, but but the point being, the fact that a, a third-party developer that did a presentation for your, essentially your console brand, generated more buzz than the games that you're producing for your console after, <laughs> like, first-party exclusives. Well, exclusives, quote-unquote. Uh, that's, that, that, that's kind of an issue. Um, Although I, I'm very much, I'm very much not against CD Projekt Red. I'm, I, I am very much uh, a huge fan of them. Um, but yeah, it's just, I think, I think with Xbox, I think there's always going to be like a niche market for them. I think there's always going to be people that are going to buy the Xbox just because you know they've, they've always owned an Xbox, but. I think a lot of people are going to switch over this next generation because, you know, and I, and I've talked to a lot of people in the, in the Xbox community and they, you know, and they, they, they often talk about how, you know, you know, we're getting screwed on exclusive. There's, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing that the console offers, you know, and they're like, we're probably like, I'm probably going to switch over to, you know, PS five. Um, and it's not I, for the I, hardware. I, it's not for the hardware. It's for the content itself. Um. Yeah, yeah, I would be one of those people actually, because <laughs> yeah. you know I I have an Xbox One S and mm-hmm. I really like it. I I enjoy it as a console. I think it's it's you know I've I got some games on it that are pretty fun. I think Gears Five is is really fun. And That's what I've heard. Yeah, I mean the the Gears of War series. I mean, and you can play all of them on the Game Pass Ultimate for Xbox. You can play all the Gears of War games on there. Oh, uh, that's what they're really hanging on to. That's which, what Xbox. That's Xbox's saving grace right now. Which um, I will say, I do, I do like that as a service because you know they they do have some really good games on there that you can play on both console and PC. You know, but. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of the same way where you know when it comes time to one day upgrade I don't know that I'm going to upgrade to an Xbox you know I I don't have any interest in getting a Series X because for one thing at least for the time being when a new game comes out it's going to be available on Xbox 1 not just the Series X like the <laughs> the new uh Call of Duty that was just announced that's going to be available on Xbox 1 you know, they're still manufacturing Xbox One S. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's really no reason to upgrade for that reason alone. But also exclusives. You know, there's games on the PlayStation that I would love to play, but I can't play anywhere else unless I have a, a PlayStation. And obviously mm-hmm. I can't really afford one right now. But, you know, when I'm able to, I'd like to... I, I could definitely see myself making the switch over to to Sony just because they have some good games on there and 
I can also play the games that I like playing that I could play on Xbox anyway because they're you know they're on both systems. But as far as exclusives go, Sony that's that's where it's at. Yeah, and I think um, you know this is the other thing too. You know, X- Microsoft really kind of you know they very much anchored themselves to the the One X because. You know, they talked about how, you know, whatever games that they develop are, you know, are also going to be compatible with, you know, the the One X. But the issue with that is, is that it really locks, you know, um, developers in with how much they can utilize, you know, the hardware of the next gen systems. Whereas the PS5 is not going to have that issue. Um, you know, if, if a game's going to be developed for the PS5, it's going to be exclusively developed for the PS5. Um, you know, and so they're not locked in with the hardware. Um, you know, I think that's why, you know, for instance, you saw, um, you know, like with, with, you know, the last generation between the PS3 and the PS4, you had the, the, the last of us, you know, remaster, despite, you know, how soon, you know, how, how, you know, very little, you know, far apart they were from one another as far as console generations go. Um, it's kind of like one of those crossover titles. Um, so with the PS5, it's not it's not going to have that same issue. You know, they're they're going to be able to, you know, utilize that hardware immediately out of the gate. Um, so yeah, but um, but yeah, I just think, <laughs> and I just I have to say, I just think their naming department is so whoever is in charge of that um, for for Xbox needs to be freaking shot uh, <laughs> you have so you have the one s right you have the one s then you mm-hmm. have the one x then you have the series x but then you also have the series s and so when some some poor old woman's gonna be walking in there and she's you know she's be asking you know, she's she's want to buy an xbox and she's not you know, they're gonna be like oh oh which one and she's be like oh well i don't know what i need just you know Give me this one. It's like, it's just. Well, and that's part of why they discontinued the one X um, was, I guess, to lower the confusion, which it, it I'm not I'm still not 100 percent sure why they discontinued the one X as opposed to the one S. Even I mean, though maybe they're going to continue making games for the one X. Yeah, it's strange. Yeah, because I mean, maybe it's because it has an X in its title and they don't want someone to get confused between the one X and the series X. Maybe that's just my guess. There's probably more to it than that. But still, but then why wouldn't they do that same thing for the one S, though? Yeah. And. That's that's what that's what's confusing. It it seems like they don't really know exactly what they're they're doing. Um, I I yeah. appreciate I appreciate that they're still trying to give people that you know like me that doesn't see themselves upgrading to Series X if you can still play games on there. You know, give I still have the option to play new games, but at the same time. If if you're really wanting to, I, I mean, unless maybe maybe the objective is not to outdo Sony. Maybe it's to, I, I I think I heard rumors that what was it? Bill Gates is he is is he is he the one over Microsoft? Is it Bill Gates? No, he's been he's been out of uh, he's he's been um, he has been involved with um, like 
company dealings with Microsoft for a while. Uh, okay. But, you know, the only thing I can think of is that they're not even really trying to outdo PlayStation overall. They're they're maybe they're thinking that it's the long term goal. You know, they, they think, well, you know, sure, Sony will outdo us initially, but in the long run, you know, people want to stick around because of the Game Pass Ultimate, because of, you know, us having better backwards compatibility than PlayStation and being able to play your games on a quote unquote better console that can load your games up faster and, you know, do some of these other things. Maybe they think the long term is going to pan out for them if they're able to get some of these exclusives done right. But I just it just seems like a mess to me. And I, I don't know that it's really going to work out. I, I still think that, like you said earlier, Microsoft's going to, you know, Xbox is going to survive for a while anyway. But I I don't know. Uh, it, yeah, I think this is I don't think they're ever going to climb back up to the top like they once were with the uh, with the, the 360. Because, I mean, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just I just don't foresee it. Um, I could be wrong, and hopefully I'm wrong, but I I can't say that I'm super convinced. They'd have to have a massive change in leadership and development to get. Oh, Spencer needs to be gone. He needs yeah. to be. I'm sorry. I mean, he needs he just... needs to be gone. Yeah, I mean, ever since the 360, it's just gone down more and more. Yeah. You know, the original Xbox did well. 360 did even better. Xbox One was okay, but it didn't do as good as the 360, and now this seems like it's going to well, be a, and, a colossal mess. Well, and it's clear, like, too, um, that Xbox is just primarily, well, with Microsoft specifically, they're just buying up all these, you know, development studios. Um, and just as a means of being like, oh, look, like, here are all these studios that are making all these games. Don't you see? You know, we're we're still in it. You know, it's like, no, you just used all your money that you made from, you know, accumulating through like Windows services and have tried to buy up, you know, <laughs> more of the, the industry market. Uh, I mean, you, mm -hmm. you're not you're not actually being competitive. You're just buying out the competition. And I mean, hey, that might work for them. It might. But considering how bad their oversight is, though, I, I don't know. I'm not convinced. Yeah, I'm not I'm not either, you know, and I think they they really need to learn the lesson that Nintendo learned with the with the Wii U. Yeah. And, you know, they they learned the lesson that you've got to make a system that people actually want with games that people want. <laughs> and they turned it around dramatically with the Switch. The Switch has been I think it's like number two or number three. I think it's number two most all-time sold Nintendo system out of everything. I think number one is the NES. But, you know, you want people to buy your products. That's that's pretty simple. So, yeah. and to do that, you can't just have a good console. You can't just have, even if you have the most powerful console of all time, if you don't have things on it that people really want, as opposed to, and they can't just want it, they want it over everything else, you're not gonna, you're just not gonna survive in, in the long run. Yeah. So, 
anyway, I think, I think we've, uh, I think we've touched on that about as much as we can, but, um, <laughs> long enough about it. Yeah. But anyway, um, I think this is going to do it for the show. Uh, we plan to make this, we plan to make this a weekly show that we do. We've, we've gone back and forth on recording, you know, here and there in the past, but we've, we've both been wanting to get back into it for a while and we plan to make wired in a regular thing that we do. We touch on, you know, just about anything, but we, we love to talk about movies and, and tech and, and sometimes politics, but I think we've both pretty much gotten as exhausted <laughs> as we can on, on political yeah. stories, especially with the kind of atmosphere we're living in today. And I, I'm guessing a good chunk of the people that listen to us feel the same way. So, you know, we, we try to, we try to keep you informed. We try to, you know, you know what's going on, but at the same time, like, you know, we, we want to have fun and we want to be able to talk about things in a way that not everyone else is. So that's why sometimes, sometimes it's just impossible though. I mean, like it's just, you know, I mean, especially if it's just dominating you know all of the discussion circles it's just like i mean you know it's you know sometimes it'll just be impossible but right but we do we do try to leave you with some things that are you know a little easier to digest and not want to make you jump off a cliff at the end of the show so (laughs) that's if we can if we can get to the end of a show and you still want to make it through to the next day I think we've made uh, ourselves an accomplishment. <laughs> so, anyway, thank you everyone for tuning in to this new episode of Wired In, and we will catch you back next week. Thank you, Spencer, for being a part of it with me once again. Oh, sure, man. You know, we will catch you all back next week. Take care, everyone. Later.